Hi guys, how are you? Just going to preface this, this is my very first time preaching, so just have grace on me, bear with me, because I might stumble a little bit, but the Lord is good, and I know He'll answer the cry of our heart, no matter what, Even what, it just takes one word to change perspective, it takes one word to break into a heart, so that's what I'm trusting the Lord for today, so um, bear with me, but basically... Um, some of you probably already know, um, what's this? I'm actually preaching on something that's very dear to my heart. It's something the Lord's walked me through um, even over the past couple of years, um, specifically in my own personal life as well as even here at J-Hop Boston um, serving Daryl and Bethany. But um, it's on servanthood. Bethany really asked me just to share my heart on taking the place of a servant and um so first, I'm going to have us open up right to John 13. I'm just going to dive right in. I have a lot of scripture, too, because it helps me, keeps yes. me on track. And the, with the scripture, you can't go wrong, you know? Right. You read scripture, it doesn't matter what any human says or how they just debate it or whatnot. Scripture is the word of God, and it stands true. So I'm going to use that as my foundation. Um, so we're going to go right to John 13. I'm going to start right in verse 1. Can I flatten this and use this as a... So starting in John 13 again, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being, at, and supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And I just want to stop right there. I'm not going to, we'll go back to it, but I just want to stop right there and point out a couple of things here, um, is in verse 3 specifically, it says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given him all things. The cre- I mean, Jesus was there from the very beginning of time. It was upon Jesus as the wisdom birthed human history, really. And that he had been given all authority, all wisdom, all power, all understanding. And from that very place, he took the towel and knelt at the disciples' feet. All 12 of the apostles were in this room in the supper. This was the supper, um, the upper room, the last supper. I'm sure we're all very familiar with this scene in this setting. And he took the towel and washed his disciples' feet. And it even says, it points out in verse 2, that the devil, having been already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. That means that Jesus, knowing that the devil had already put this, what was going to happen, that Judas Iscariot was going to betray Jesus to the cross, he washed Judas' feet. He knelt and served this man, who he knew, he had, Jesus had all authority, all understand, beyond wisdom, beyond power, beyond anything. He could call the angels to come down and glorify him right then and there if he wanted to. And he took his towel, put it around his, fa- his waist, knelt before the disciples, and washed their feet. And I just want to draw, like, this one point of 
Judas, he knew he was going to betray him. I mean, imagine. I mean, when we find out someone's spoken an ill word of us, we get all up in arms. Like, who are, they have no right to talk to me like that. They don't even know me. They don't know how I, like, how I live my life. They don't know even, and you get all defensive for it. Jesus knew this man was going to betray him to death. To death. It was because of Judas, not because of Judas, we know it was because of the Lord, because of God's whole plan that he had for creation, but Judas was the man that betrayed Jesus. And Jesus knelt and washed this man's feet and served him in that place and every other man in that room. Um, If you want to go to verse 12, I'm going to skip over a little bit there. It's another sermon for another day. Um... So in verse 12 it says, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is nor is he who that blah, 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 blah. nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him if you know these things blessed are you if you do them and i just want to point that out of we are called and we all know this to be like jesus to represent jesus to represent him in our lives to manifest his goodness to manifest his presence we are called to do that and, it's, and, and I want to point out, I don't want to belabor this too long, but in verse 17 he says, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And we look at it so often, and we hear even the service message, the servanthood message, and we hear you got to be a servant, and you got to give to the poor, and you got to give to the lowly. And we hear this message so often, I feel, but we never get the, re- I feel like the reality never actually hits our heart. It gri- where it grips us to actually live the life that Jesus lived, to actually represent him, to display who he is among all mankind. Let me look at my notes. I want to point out, too, that feet washing was a job given to the lowest of servants, and in Jewish culture, even a Jewish slave could legally refuse to do this. That it was actually only given to a Gentile slave. This, Because it was considered the lowest job that any man could possibly do. And Jesus, the creator of all, wisdom of all, lowered himself and did this lowly act before mankind. Um, in Mark 10, it says, Whoever desires to become great among them, let them be a servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. In Philippians 2, 5 through 7, it says, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count himself equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. And I really wanted to um, exhort us and challenge us even um, to take on the form of a servant. You know, Bethany last week really, you know, sent home the message of being a bondservant. You know, of walking in obedience before the Lord. And I really want to challenge us to take this on as I want to display Christ no matter where I go. I want to display Christ in his nature. 
I want to display Christ in his character. I want to display Christ. And not just in church on a Sunday or, or on a prayer meeting night. But every day in my life, 24-7, whether it's with my family, my coworkers, or my friends at school, that I'm displaying Christ's character as a servant. You know, we always pray here that we would see his glory. We sing songs about it. Even today we sing songs of he's glorious, he's glorious. You know, we ask for the glory of the Lord to be displayed, and I so often, and it's true, it's very true, but I even myself, I'm like, God, like, you know, we want to see the miracles, we want to see people healed, we want to see deliverance, you know, we want to see revival, we want to see all of these things, but I feel like we forget that it comes down to the daily place that we live our lives. The daily place that we're living our lives before the Lord. And we ask for His himself to be manifested. You know, in 2 um, Corinthians 4, it says um, that we would manifest him in our body. You know, and it's, and it's like we, we always pray, God, manifest your glory. And like, I'm all for the glory cloud. I'm all for the dust and the miracles. I'm all for that. Gosh, that would be amazing. I think we would all have our eyes pop out if that stuff started happening here. But I... I also think that it doesn't start there and it doesn't stop there either. It comes down to manifesting Christ in our lives. Manifesting him in the place of service. Manifesting him to our fellow brother. Manifesting himself to our neighbor. In what true brotherly love is. So one, one question that I always, I remember, um, it was actually probably maybe a year ago, I remember a specific time in prayer. We were really crying out for revival, you know, like that time, you know those times where you're just like so passionate, and you're like, this is awesome, this is amazing, revival's going to come like right now. And, um, and we were really, and just felt the Lord, and I started kind of asking him questions, I'm like, God, like, what does it look like today, though? Like, you know, we always, I've read, I've read accounts, I'm sure we all have to one degree or another, read accounts of revival and, and, you know, mass repentance coming and just transformation all of a sudden just seems to, like, happen all of a sudden. And a lot of times we also see revivals kind of tamper, uh, kind of just go die. They, they get dim, they slowly burn out and die. And I just was asking the Lord, I'm like, God, I'm like, you know, revival, like, it sounds awesome. I've never experienced it. I've never been in the midst of it. I've had kind of little tastes of it from being a kid and being in youth group, and there's definitely a place of revival that was happening, but never to the scale of what I'm asking the Lord to do in Boston, never to the scale of even history books that I've read and, and just accounts of revivalists. It's not been to that scale. And so I just started, I'm like, what does it look like? How do we do this? Like, how do we live this way, like, what does it mean to sh- for your glory to be shown? What does it mean? And over time, it was definitely over time. It didn't come in a day, but the Lord really started um, showing me that, you know, Crystal, it's it's in the place that you serve, whether it's at at work, whether. And I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. Forgive me, but it is what it is. Um, but. Just really, he really, he really, really got to the heart of like, you know, are you going to serve? Are you going to, I mean, we listened, Bethany, very first couple of days, you know, we had Sunday, she really hit home on um, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
and she's spoken on it multiple occasions. You'll hear us reference it multiple times, but it really is, and she says it, it's Christianity 101. But then when it really comes down to it of, you know, living out the Sermon on the Mount, you know, what does it mean to go the extra mile? When, the, when a man asks you to walk one mile, what does it mean to go that extra mile? When a man asks you for your shirt, are you going to give him your coat as well? You know, are you going to go above and beyond that which is asked of you? Not because you have something to prove. Not because, well, I need to be godly, though that might be a part of it and should be. But not because of any of those reasons. And not even just because this one man or this one, you know, whoever asked you for something or to do something. But simply out of the love for Jesus. Of going, you know what? I, cause I, I, and it goes back to even what I was saying. is I want, I want you to be manifest to God in my workplace. I want you to manifest yourself in my workplace. I truly desire that my boss would come under this and to the revelation of the salvation of Jesus Christ. I desire that my co-workers would come into the revelation of the salvation of Jesus Christ. I desire that I would exemplify and be Jesus to them. And um, years ago, I'm just going to go on a little testimony. I remember um, I came out of just a mess. I grew up in the church. I knew all the Bible verses. I grew up in a very charismatic church and around people that loved the Lord. But um, there was definitely a season of having deciding for my own. We all go through it. You know, that 13-year-old, you just want to be your own thing, do your own deal, and heck with mom and dad. So I unfortunately made the decision to say the heck with mom and dad and everything they said and everything they taught me. And I really just started living my own life. Nothing big, nothing, you know, out of the ordinary. An ordinary, typical kid of the world, just living life. Um, went through all through high school, got out of high school, and really got caught up in immorality, specifically. There was a lot of immorality in my life. And... There was a season of time that the Lord really, and this is such a simple thing, but it, I think it's going to really speak, is the Lord really spoke to me on dress. It was a big thing, and it was a big struggle for me of the way that I presented myself. Um, because I was very free, and no problems, no issues, I am who I am. And um, the Lord really addressed me on it, and it was a hard thing. It was a struggle for me to walk through because I was always afraid of, well, I don't want to be that conservative girl that's all insecure about herself, and, like, they're weird. Like, they walk around all uptight and, like, just was like, I have no desire to be that girl. And, um, but the Lord really, and even, and then also weighing, like, what, am I supposed to dress like a boy now? Like, how does this work? Like, what do you mean? So there was, there was just a lot of wrestle going on in that place. And in that time, you know, there was things, of course, I had to get rid of. I had to change my appearance. I had to start being more aware of what to wear and not to wear. And um, the Lord one time, I remember I, at, with work, um, I do a lot of meetings and I travel a lot. And, of course, I work in the action sports industry. If you don't know what that means, it's like the surf, snowboard, skate world. And they like to have a lot of fun. So I would be caught at parties and that type of thing for work. Totally a legitimate reason. But in the season of the Lord really addressing me, of course all the girls are going out all did up. Like, you know, they got the whole deal. They got the four-inch high heels, the whole thing. And in this time, I'm going out going, I mean, 
I remember being in Vegas, actually, to be quite frank with you, and it was probably the first year I was really walking with the Lord, and he was confronting this issue. And I'm going, I am in Vegas right now. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Like, I'm here, I'm putting on the jeans and the t-shirt and the flats, like, trying to figure this thing out. And um, the Lord really, in that time, though, what I'm trying to get at in that is the Lord really said, Crystal, because it was almost like it wasn't an issue to dress that way coming to church. And it wasn't an issue dressing that way to come to prayer. It was, like, it was okay because it was what everybody else was kind of, you know, you kind of fit into the mold. But when you go into a place where everyone is, it's, it's like, okay, now I'm going to stand out and be this, like, awkward, conservative girl all of a sudden. Like, what is wrong with me? And um, the Lord really spoke to my heart. And it goes beyond even dress. I'm just using this as an example. Is He said, Crystal... If you can't live this way before me in the workplace, why will I honor you in the place of, you know, in ministry? Why? Why? You live before my eyes. I see what you're wearing. Whether you can, and even it would be considered conservative in the world's view, but it's still a little flaunty. <laughs> and the Lord would say, no, would you wear, and he started really asking me questions, would you wear this to church? Would you wear this? to prayer, and, and it goes beyond that, he started confronting me about my language, my speech, well would you say that in the middle of church, is that something, would you go and speak to Bethany and talk about this person that way, would you share that with her, no, because there's a fear that I have, not a fear in a bad way, but there's a respect and an honor that I have with authority, you know, we all have it, don't let the boss see, do it while he's gone. Don't let the boss see. But we can get away with it while he's gone. I'm guilty of that one, to be honest. But it's like we so often want to go, well, you know, we can present a certain thing here and in this moment. But then when it really goes to the inner place, the, the secret place of our lives, the day in and the day out, and actually would not look so bad to a coworker who's not walking with the Lord or anything, and it would actually still look okay to them, but the Lord really started convicting me of going, no, my eyes are on you. I see what you do. I, see what you, I hear what you say. I see what you think. I hear it all. I see it all. Are you going to live before me? Or are you going to live before men? In Ephesians 6, it talks about, you know, it goes through the whole armor of God. And um, Paul really said, you know, he says, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against, against spirits and principalities of the air. And that verse, you know, we always think of it as like, oh, it's spiritual warfare, you know, name it and claim it and rebuke it and all the whole nines. And there is a, there is a side of that that is very true. But beyond that, you know, what is fighting? You know, we come into prayer, we come in, you know, even in our private time of prayer, and we, you know, we pray these things, you know, God, I want you to reveal yourself to my boss. God, I want you to reveal yourself to those around my family. I want you to show yourself to my friends. You know, but, and, and we pray all of those things, and even in powerful times, literally, we were like, I think my boss just got saved at home. Like, I think the Holy Spirit just descended on him, and he got saved. Like, because there's so much there. But then we go to work the next day, we're running late. You know, we're scrambling to do whatever. He asks us to do something, and we might not necessarily verbally grumble and complain, 
But you, under our breath, we're going, oh, I can't believe you asked me to do that. Really? I'm so much more capable of so much more than that. And we, we go to that, and, and, I re, and the Lord really said, like, said, Crystal, you're fighting a warfare in your workplace. There was a time when I, my boss is very um, verbal. He is not a positive reinforcer. He's a negative reinforcer. I love him to death, though, i got to say. I really do. It took time, but I'm there. <laughs> but he is a negative um, <laughs> reinforcer. And, again, I wasn't saved when I started my job. I've been there for quite some time now. And so, of course, I got saved, and it threw a whirlwind and a tornado into every aspect of my life. And, again, the Lord was really confronting me on how I responded in the workplace. And I remember one time I was in my office, just kind of sitting there, and um, I had done something wrong or not right or just forgot about something stupid. I don't even remember what it was, to be honest. But my boss came in, and he's just like, you know, giving me the whole lowdown of why I should have done what I didn't do and should have not done what I did do. And it's different for every person, every account. You've got to handle every account differently and the whole deal. And I'm sitting there. And I'm just looking at my computer screen. He's behind me. He's probably like right in that doorway. And I'm just looking at me. And I'm ready to burst in tears. And I don't cry very easily, like with, a, with confrontation, with stuff like that. Like I don't get very emotional with it. But I was really, so this was a little out of the normal for me. And I was sitting there and I'm just like, what a jerk. What the heck? And all of a sudden the Lord reminded me of Ephesians 6. You don't fight against flesh and blood. You fight against spirits and principalities of the air. And all of a sudden, the Lord was like, are you going to wrap And I mean, it took everything within me, and I'm like, you got it. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm still facing my screen because I couldn't, like, take the effort. Like, not the effort. I was scared because if I looked at him, I probably would have burst into tears. So I'm, like, trying to contain myself. I'm just looking at the screen, and I'm like, you're absolutely right. Pride and swallow it. <laughs> yep, yep absolutely. Next time, you know what? I'll be sure to make sure that happens. Absolutely. And it goes to the place of, are you going to take the lowly place? Mm-hmm. Are you going to take on what Jesus took on? Who was capable of it all? Who had it all? Nobody, everybody else was wrong. He was right. <laughs> I mean, Jesus was, was right. <laughs> Everyone else was right. And he could have been like, you have no idea what you're talking about, you little human minion thing, you. <laughs> I understand it all, beginning to end and beyond, eternity to come and eternity past. And Jesus took it on as a servant and humbled himself and said, I, I am here to serve you, to wash you, and I, you know what? I want you to be like me. And so, and um, I want to read this thing really quickly. Do I want to, what time do I have? How long do I have? Can I go till quarter of, at least? Okay. Um, before I move on, I want to kind of take a little bunny trail. This is something that's really on my heart to share because I know we can justify ourselves out of things sometimes. So I want to break that off of us. Um, 1 Peter 2, if you want to turn there. I'm going to turn there too. Verse 18, we're going to start in. Okay. 
think we might just stay in verse 18 and 19 and not go much further. Um, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. I'm going to read it one more time. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God one endures griefs and suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it, if when you are beaten for your fault you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So basically what he's saying is be submissive to your masters, the good and the just, but also the harsh. The positive reinforcer and the negative reinforcer. Be submissive to them. And he says, what, what credit is it if you're beaten for something you did wrong? I mean, when you truly recognize you've done something wrong, you're like, yes, I deserve this. Yes, absolutely. Like, like do what you've got to do. Like, I am so wrong. I deserve this. Like, you're, you're like, hit me. <laughs> like, like, I mean, when you, like, really recognize it, you're like, you, you kind of cower and whatnot. I know we all, did I just have my phone notes here? Um, but when we know, when we feel we didn't do something wrong, or we know we didn't do something wrong, that's a whole other story when someone comes to you accusing you of something you did wrong. That's a whole other story. When someone comes to you and says, you didn't say this correctly, or you gave me a weird look, or whatever it may be, and you're accused of something, and you're just kind of like... What the heck are they talking about? Like, either you're completely oblivious of what's going on, or you're kind of going, did I do something wrong? And you almost get guilt and shame on you, of like, oh my gosh, and you get a little insecure about it. But that's, I wanted to drive this point home with um, being submissive to masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Because I feel like we so often can have like, you know, I have a great boss. I get along with them. And I'm not talking just bosses here. I'm just talking from my perspective. That's what I deal with. But your teacher, you know, your parents. I mean, I know we probably don't live at home, but we still deal with it. I mean, come on, let's be real. And, um, you know, or friends or anything like that. You know, when someone, when we have a good friend that loves us, cares about us, when they make a mistake, I'm like, oh, that's what, I love you too. It's all good. Don't worry about it. But when it's a friend that's kind of harsh and cruel to you and just mean, maybe a backbiter, they kind of present themselves as friendly to your face, but then behind your back, they're, you know, yapping away. Or your boss, who may, you might have a great boss, who you're best pals with your boss and you get along great and it's easy to be a servant because it's easy to serve people we like. It's easy to serve people we like. It's easy for me to serve you in that. Because I like them. Because I like them. Even when I when there are mistakes or weaknesses that you see, it's still easy to serve them because I like them. I love them. But when I you know, but then when I'm going to my boss, I'm like, I got no relation to you. I have like I'm here, I'm clocking in, I'm clocking out. Like it's like and to really take on that of a servant to my boss. You know, to really go, I'm gonna serve him. And it's and it's actually preaching Jesus. I'm not necessarily, I mean, I honestly, I'll be totally frank, I have never once in the six years that I've worked for my boss been like, you know, Jesus is the Savior of the world, and you really should 
accept him into your heart because I'm a Christian and you need to believe because Jesus is the king of all. I've never had that conversation with him. And God bless you if you have. I'm not speaking against that at all. We need to be proud. and um, But I've never had the conversation of Jesus with my boss. I've, I've never even really had the conversation of church. He knows I go to church because I say no to something because I have church to be at. Outside of that, he doesn't know. I don't have this big personal relationship with him at all. Thank God. <laughs> but... There is a place where I know, whether it's an account sitting next to me that asks me why I live a certain lifestyle, you know, whether I'm out at the bar because I have to for work and I say no to drink. It opens up a door to share Jesus. It really does, just an FYI. But, but also coming to a place of like, are you going to preach Jesus in who you are without words? Because I know friends, and I struggled with it. I'm like, so do I have to like, go and preach Jesus to everybody at work now? Like, I'm going to be that weird kook at work that's just always like pounding the pavement for Jesus. And, that's, and, and, and it was really going, no, but I want you to preach me in the way that you live your life. With unashamedness, with no compromise, with boldness, because of who I am, because of Jesus, and because of what he's done for me. That it's out of the place, the revelation of that he came as a bond servant. He came as a servant to us. So it's out of that revelation of him serving us that we would go and serve our fellow friend, our fellow brother. You know, whether Christian or not. Um, I'm just going to read this, real, this little excerpt real quick that I uh, got offline it's by an unknown person, but I was just kind of, I was actually Googling the meaning of a servant. I didn't share it with you because it was kind of irrelevant. Um, but um, I, I did stumble across this, and I really liked it, so I wanted to um, read it. We claim that we knelt to become disciples of Jesus Christ. We claim that we are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. But when it comes time to serve, we offer excuses. That is, if we can even be found. We claim that we knelt to become disciples of Jesus Christ. We claim that we are saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, but when it comes time to serve, we offer excuses. Jesus, in perfect humility, knelt and bathed the feet of each disciple and dried them with a towel that he had girded himself with. Perfect humility is knowing full well who you are and what you deserve, laying it aside and performing the job of the lowest of servants. This is what Jesus did for us. This is how he expects us to do for our fellow man. So with that, I want to turn to Psalms 139. I'm going to start in verse 2. You could go to verse 16, but I'm not going to read the whole thing, so read it on your own. But the whole chapter is wonderful if you want to read it this coming week. But verse 2. 
You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Jump to verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? It goes on to just really talk about, um, even in verse 15, I don't want to read this whole thing, so I'm kind of skipping around on you guys. Um, In verse 15 it says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest places of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And your book, in your book, they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. And I just want to go kind of into, um, you know, in closing out, that even as I just read out of that um, little excerpt there, was that it's knowing full well who you are and what you deserve. It's knowing full well who you are, that we are a priesthood, that we are kings and rulers under the submission of Jesus Christ, but it's knowing who you are in your identity before the Lord that enables you to serve, that enables you to serve even when you think you deserve something else. Or, you know, you're asked to clean the bathroom at work when you don't want to clean the bathroom. And you're more capable of doing or more, uh, what's the word, qualified, thank you, qualified for something else. You know, or, at, or even at school or something. You know, there's, fav- there's favor that comes and goes at school, I'm sure. You guys deal with it with classes and teachers. And, you know, you get a certain grade and you're like, I totally deserved a different, like a better grade than this with all the work I did. I wish I could relate more in the place of school, but I can't. <laughs> um, but there is so many places where I feel like we're asked to do certain things or something's required of us. Or not given to us, you know, whether it's the area of promotion, it's not given to us when we think we deserve it. And, you know, how is our attitude in response to that? How do we respond or when we think we deserve a raise and we don't get it? Or anything like that. It really comes down to the place of knowing who we are in Christ. You know, Bethany said one time in a sermon, it really, it hit home for me. But um, she said... She said, no man's success will ever hinder your own success. You know, and I feel so often we look at other people around us of like, why are they getting that? Like, what? Or why, you know, why do they get noticed? Or, you know, we all desire to be noticed. We all desire to be recognized. That's not a bad thing. It's really quite normal. But it's what we do when we're not recognized and we're not getting noticed. You know, the posture of our heart. And it's coming back to the place of when you're not getting recognized and when you're not noticed that the Lord is very acquainted with you. He's, his eyes are so on you and on your daily life and how you live and the little areas where you've given to him. Whether it's in the place of finances or whether it's in the place of just doing a menial job or whether it's doing your homework with excellence. But it's, it, and knowing that the Lord sees you. Knowing that he's acquainted with you. He knows you're laying down and you're rising up. That he formed you in the innermost parts. And these are all familiar scriptures. I think we all know them. But really, want, like, do we know them in who we are? Do we really, really know that his eyes are upon us? That one should put fear in us. The fear of the Lord, which is holy. 
of, I should pick up this trash on the sidewalk that I see in front of the house, even though nobody sees me, but the Lord sees me walking right by. You know, little things, and, and, and living before his eyes. I just wanted to say, too, of don't ever be afraid that you're not seen or not noticed. You know, I know a lot of times we feel like we have to scramble to be noticed. We have to scramble to be recognized. We have to climb to the top. That's what it is in corporate America. There's a lot of climbing and fighting to get to the top. You know, or even in classes, I keep trying to, I should just not try to keep going back to college and stuff because it doesn't work for me. Um, but, you know, we always try to, or even in ministry, you know, we all have dreams, we all have hopes, we all have desires. And we wonder, like, God, when are you going to, like, get me to the place that, like, you know, and, you know, it's you that put it there, it's you that gave me this dream, it's you that did it, like, when am I going to, and it's really resting in the place of, God, your eyes are upon me. You see me, you know me, you hear my prayers, you hear the cry of my heart. You see me going the extra mile at work when no man sees me. You see me cleaning the bathroom when nobody sees me. You see me, you know, out with my friends or something and choose to, you know, befriend even that person that's kind of rejected and kind of the weirdo of the group. You know, he sees you doing those things. And even though no man, you know, no great leader in the church that's going to exalt you and, and, and all of that, or your boss might not see you, but the Lord sees you. And that was something that I really felt like I had to learn was that the, that the Lord sees me. And I kind of touched on it earlier. Of He sees every decision I make. He sees every thought I think. He sees every attitude that I have. And just want to encourage you guys. That's kind of where I want to end, and I'm probably going to pass it on to Daryl from here. Um, but just wanted to really probably even go into a time of ministry of, you know, even if you feel like, man, I serve. Like, I really, like, the Lord's spoken to me this. He's, like, really seeing the place of, like, I feel like I serve a lot, and I feel like I give so much even when I don't want to, but yet it never seems to pay off never seems to pay off. It never plays in my favor. And I try so hard. And I just, I really wanted to exhort you to, to not do it for it to be, pay, for, it to, for a payoff. You know, not, not serving and really kind of changing your perspective of going, no, I want to worship you, Jesus. I want to lift your name high in everything I do, not just in a worship service, not just here in, you know, a prayer meeting of singing songs about lifting his name high, but let's really go out from this place and lift up the name of Jesus in taking on that of a servant, in taking on, you know, humility and meekness and gentleness and patience and long-suffering and taking on these things and, and, and sharing Jesus through who we are. Thank you, Crystal. Well, that was a good word. She was speaking to us. I just was reminded of the scripture in Luke uh, 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little also will be dishonest with much. You know, my years of ministry, uh, the issue of, of service or being a servant is about the heart. Simply, period. It's where our hearts are at, you know. 
And oftentimes when I've heard messages that stir, uh, stir me like this one, um, you, for me some triggers go off. I'm like, I'm a servant. I do my, I do my, uh, you know, I do my duty. I help my church. I help, you know, I'm a servant. Um, I just want to say this. Most times if you have to do that rationale in your mind, it's probably because you have an issue. Uh, and you're probably not. You know, that's where I've come to in my own life. I'm just sharing honestly with my own life, my own experience. It's that oftentimes that we try to rationalize and even probably to put in our mind and say, I do this, I do that, I've done this, I've done that. Because the issue is it's, it's really not even uh, about, you know, what we have and what we have not done. It's about our heart. And if our heart is to serve our friends, if our heart is to serve our church, if our heart is to serve our bosses, that God sees it. It's, it's, it's an issue that He deals with and that He gauges. And I just want to call us really just into really the simplicity of Luke 16, where Jesus said, those who are faithful, I know little will be given much. I, I want to be given much. I, I'm not ashamed of saying that. I'm not like some glory, you know, hungry mega thing, give me, no, I'm not, I, I just want, I, I don't want to be cheapened in any way because of uh, uh, foolish or wrong choices that I made, if I had an opportunity to serve more in an instance and I knew that the eyes of God were upon me in that instant, it puts, the, it puts things into perspective, even with the very little things, see, some of us heard the account of the trash on the, on the, on the front, they did but that, oh, oh, how many know? I walk past the trash. It's the little things. I'm trying to be religious, but it's the Bible, right? I heard nothing but Scripture. <laughs> and, um, you know, and oftentimes about her testimony, you know, if you have to use words, then go ahead and use words. But a lot can be uh, told of you by just your lifestyle. You know? Just the way you present yourself, just the way you uh, handle yourself in the field at your schools, a lot can be known <laughs> by just who you are as a person and what you do. Crystal, thank you for this word. I want us to just stand to our feet. We're going to close. Um, one more scripture that she had mentioned. Uh, you know, I'm a kind of doing type of guy, and I love that Jesus said this. In John 13, 15, she referenced the scripture. For I have given you this example. The example of what? The example of washing feet. Obviously, yes, that is part of what Jesus was trying to show his disciples. The act of washing somebody's feet. But the really essence of what Jesus... Now listen to me. The real essence of what Jesus was trying to get across was servanthood. He said, I have given you an example that you should what? Do. That you should do as I have done to you. Sometimes, guys, it's not just like this fairy tale one where you're just a boom, a servant all of a sudden. Oh, glory be to God. I'm just all of a sudden serving. I'm just all of a sudden, you know, humble and meek. It's not like this. Jesus says, you must do as I have done to you. Guys, a lot of these issues, servanthood and many other things, other topics that we talk about here at the Justice House of Prayer, take, again, a partnership. We must do certain things. We must 
take the steps to do even that which Crystal is preaching about today. It's not something that's just going to happen by osmosis, is what I'm trying to say. You have to just, you have to put it on and start living the life and doing the acts. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you.